thing is, I think I read that either that or I mixed it up with something else. Was she in an insane asylum? Yes. Hello, and welcome to the After Spark Podcast, an episode-by-episode recap of the Generation 1 Transformers cartoon. I'm Els. And I'm Spex. And today we're going to be talking about episode number 46, Child's Play. Only, you know, not the not not the horror film. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about giant robots today, shall we? Let's get to it. Although it is funny that they both involve toys. Although I guess that's just why it's named that in both ways, huh? Well, considering that there's the possibility of vivisections happening in this, um, it could this... be a little more to the horror. <laughs> This episode, more terrifying than you would have initially thought. Well, the implications. <laughs> yes, the implications are kind of, ah! And today, on a baseball field, the Decepticons are standing on and around their brand new space bridge. The general manager of the baseball stadium respectfully requests that the Decepticons let them play baseball already. Thrust decides to help them play by shoving a bunch of baseballs into his gun like he's loading the thing and then shooting them at the teams. Because apparently uh, that gun is compatible with baseballs. Look, the Cybertronians are compatible with a good many things. They shouldn't be. Baseballs is probably one of the less weird things. I I guess the gun can act as a cannon somehow? I don't know. Brave souls do attempt to hit or catch the baseballs, but the players nearly lose life and limb for their trouble. Thrust also uh, hits and kind of takes out the scoreboard, which was uh, thankfully above some empty seats because it comes crashing down on said seats. <laughs> Can't show violence in this show about giant robots trying to kill each other. <laughs> but Soundwave and his cassettes decide they would like to play t- today too. With Soundwave grabbing a random player and tossing him to Starscream. Think fast! And Ravage playing a game of cat and mouse as he chases a baseball player down the field. Some of the audience members get an all-expense-paid trip into the sky, courtesy of Starscream 2. So, uh, this is a very, uh, interactive stuff going on today at this game. The Decepticons are, like, way more ridiculous than normal at the beginning of this episode, and there's not even really a good reason for them doing any of this. This would make me wonder if they're drunk, but, I mean, we've seen them drunk already. So they're not, because none of them can hold their liquor. They'd all be passed out on the field. (laughs) Or liquor, high grade, you know what I mean. Yep, yep. The Autobots arrive, and Optimus... uh, with Optimus insisting it's their turn to bat. In tow today are Wheeljack, Trailbreaker, Perceptor, Bumblebee, Brawn, Inferno, Smokescreen, and Ironhide. I can't believe I got through that entire list without stuttering. I'm sorry. I'm very proud of myself right now. Congratulations. <laughs> Two thumbs up. Starscream suggests a game of catch instead and uh, hurls you know, some of those humans that he picked up. Um, for that all-expense-paid trip to the sky at the ground. And now this is where normally we joke about them getting caught by soft metal robot hands, but they were actually caught in a net today because Inferno apparently thinks these things through. And even has them, like, included in his alt mode. Yeah, good bot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Handy for his job. Yeah. 
Braun, despite being significantly shorter, picks up Soundwave and chucks him into the air. I don't know how how many ticks this is on the Braun versus Soundwave. Uh, yeah, we're at more than one at the very least. Like, this is at least the second time he's chucked Soundwave. I feel like it's at least, like, the third or fourth. The problem is I can only remember one other time. That does not mean it didn't happen multiple other times, and I'm just not remembering it, though. I don't remember. It just feels like it's happened. It does feel like it's happened more than it should have. Mm -hmm. uh, Optimus is providing some ponderful commentary uh, during the fight with the Decepticons. It is dad tier and contains many baseball references. He calls himself the pinch hitter and punches one of Thrust's missiles away from Bumblebee. I don't think that's how that's supposed to work, but... <laughs> Suspension of disbelief! <laughs> He's trying to help. Yeah. Other various Autobots join into the dad jokes, including Smokescreen, who yells, I got him! while he tries to catch Thrust, only to be um, barreled down by Ravage. Optimus and B make their way into the center of the space bridge, because if you remember, it's like this ring of metal, and then there's nothing in the middle, and you can walk into it. I think they have Energon in there, though. They they do have Energon in there. That That, that is also a thing. Mm -hmm. So... Optimus picks up Megatron and then chucks him out of the space bridge. Saving him from the indignity of the remainder of this episode. <laughs> Megatron would have a lot to say about literally everything that happens if he'd ended up in it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Preceptor and Trailbreaker are off to the side trying to deactivate the space bridge, but Megatron shoots the controls, causing an explosion. Which then sends Perceptor flying through the air and into the middle of the space bridge. We're getting our cast. <laughs> Prepare yourself. The bridge activates with several Autobots and Decepticons inside. Megatron gets back up and throws a bitch fit about his Energon cubes, which, you know, were also in the space bridge uh, because they have also been transported away. Uh-huh. I mean, at this point, why didn't they just build a space bridge in the middle of nowhere or underground? Were they hoping all the humans would distract or, you know, prevent the Autobots from showing up to fight? <laughs> And I, too, am curious about their fucking thought process here. Regardless, our transported parties are made up of the following bots. The Autobots include Optimus, Bumblebee, Inferno, Perceptor, and Smokescreen. While our Decepticons include Starscream, Soundwave, Ravage, and Thrust. Ah, they have all arrived on an alien planet. And are surrounded by giant toys. Not that they seem to realize this anytime soon. And by giant, we mean they're bigger, bigger than the robots. Yep. Starscream shoots at a jack-in-the-box and manages to knock a huge ball down onto himself. Ah, karma. <laughs> Soundwave gets chased by a giant six-legged cat thing. Thrust attempts to shoot the cat, but somehow ends up in an aquarium being chased by a piranha-looking fish. Begging Ravage to do something quick! And Ravage basically nopes the fuck out and runs off before getting tangled up in some vine things. The Autobots see all of this happen and then load the Energon cubes into Prime's trailer and, you know, attempt to make a hasty retreat. All of the while, the Decepticons are still begging for help. <laughs> and there have been several coloring errors in this episode, and there will continue to be several coloring errors in this episode, especially Starscream will be the other Seekers multiple freaking times. But right here, I was most amused by Soundwave being in Perceptor's color scheme for a shot. <laughs> nice. 
back on Earth, Ironhide, Wheeljack, Trailbreaker, and Brawn escape an exploding stadium. <laughs> that conveniently explodes off screen, you know, so they didn't have to animate it. Hopefully all the humans evacuated. <laughs> they head back to the Ark and to try and figure out what happened to the others. Meanwhile, back on the alien planet, our Autobot convoy, yes, moves slowly across the landscape, coming upon a building where they stash the Energon. The Decepticons are all retrieved by a green alien hand and then dumped unceremoniously into a glass bowl. The Autobots observe all of this from their hiding hole, which is revealed to be a building set as they are in a child's bedroom. An alien child voiced by Izzy from Digimon. <laughs> Which is very weird. <laughs> like, I'm used to there being some overlap in voice actors in here of, like, people I've heard in other things. This one just felt like the weirdest, I think, because Digimon's always the thing I think of her in. And so it was just like, whoa. <laughs> All the Decepticons can fly. Why are they hanging out in this glass bowl? <laughs> With no lid. It doesn't have a lid. It's literally just, like, a little, like, round fishbowl-looking thing. Yeah. Why? I mean, why did... So, like, Crest climbs out at some point. Why did he climb instead of flying out? <laughs> Don't worry, he remembers to fly immediately afterwards, but is quickly ensnared in a butterfly net, or whatever, you know, weird flying insects are on this planet net. <laughs> I mean, heck, maybe it was a fish net for dealing with his piranha fish. Uh, he gets caught in a net. <laughs> yeah. Ravage makes a break for it, but is caught by the cat critter, who is the young alien's pet, Nitro. The kid retrieves Ravage and puts him in a cage with an elephant rat-looking critter uh, named Booper. <laughs> <sighs> Ravage immediately gets on the hamster wheel, showing that all, all cats love uh, exercise wheels. <laughs> Soundwave and Starscream break out of the glass bowl through, again, no flight being utilized in their escape, or if the coloring is to belie be believed, Skywarp and Soundwave break out. <laughs> That would be a very impressive use of Skywarp's um, teleportation. <laughs> right? I didn't realize he could teleport to different fucking planets. <sighs> Soundwave is quickly snatched up and dumped into a little container that seems to contain robot toys. Starscream finds the Autobots and of course starts shooting at them while they're in the building set. Yep, Starscream knows what he's about. Wasting his stealth to blow up a bunch of energon. <laughs> and start a fire. <laughs> of course! <laughs> Luckily, the Autobots have Inferno, and the Autobots run out while Inferno transforms and puts out the fire. Starscream comes stumbling out behind them and is picked up by the kid and dumped into a box. He immediately gets put into timeout. It's what he deserves. <laughs> yep. The kid thanks the Autobots for saving his building set, picking them up and putting them on his desk before introducing himself as Aaron. Optimus introduces the rest of the Autobots. Aaron's parents come running in, asking uh, if he's playing with fire, because I guess there was quite a commotion. <laughs> of course, when he blames the Decepticons, they don't believe him until he pulls the Decepticons out from where he's placed them all. The Decepticons naturally start running around the room, and Aaron's parents are chasing after them, and no one is having a good time. Aaron, meanwhile, subtly helps the Autobots into a desk drawer while his parents are chasing the cons. All four of them are, all, well, all four of the cons are chucked into a box. His parents ask if there are any more and Nitro begins messing with the drawer, leading his parents to finding the Autobots. Parents' mom decides to call the authorities. 
On Earth, at the Ark, Teletran and Chip are doing the heavy lifting to try and find our missing Autobots. Mm, apparently no one else knows how to make a computer work. Which is hilarious, considering most of the people who inhabit the Ark are giant alien robots who built the computer, presumably. <laughs> but even Teletran and Chip can't find Optimus and the others. And then back on the alien planet, uh, the Cybertronians are being poked by what we presume is a scientist. Yep. Aaron's dad asks what the Cybertronians are. The scientist does not know, but they need to find out. Guess who's getting a free look at their insides? It's vivisection time! And he pulls out a convenient buzzsaw to do just that! Aaron is rather upset that his new friends are in danger, and he grabs the little clear cage the Autobots are in and runs outside, hiding from the adults who chase after him. Uh, he is accosted by another alien child, Marty, who shows up and begins to bully him to show him what's in the cage that he's now hiding behind his back. Yeah. <laughs> And they're up against a trash can. Yes. So this gets to be very undignified for the Autobots. <laughs> Optimus manages to get everyone out of the cage, and then they all hide in the trash can before Marty can grab the cage out of Aaron's hands. And then Marty leaves, but not before shoving what looks like ice cream uh, into the trash can, which basically gets all over poor Bumblebee. Oh, God, they're all going to need a bath. You would think. Uh, Aaron then helps the Autobots out of the garbage. That child and his willingness to just stick his hand into a garbage can. That yep. is not going to serve him well, I don't <laughs> think. Um, the Decepticons, meanwhile, are still pinned to the examination table, but Ravage manages to escape and free the others. Aaron is running back to his house to hide the Autobots where they won't be found. Optimus informs Aaron that they must return to Earth giving terrible directions to the poor child when he asks where Earth is. Yep. You'd think that the giant alien robot from outer space who actually traveled the interstellar planes or whatever would be able to give a better answer. You would think, but we, I think we've established Optimus is not good with tech. That's true. Two policemen catch up to Aaron, and he dumps the Autobots into a sewer and tells them to meet him at his house. The Autobots are not allowed to be clean today. The nearby Decepticons follow them into the sewer as well. A fight ensues! <laughs> Ravage is either huge today or B is very small. I mean, mass shifting is a thing, so let's go with it. <laughs> Perceptor and Soundwave are fighting each other with a pencil and a long piece of metal, respectively. The long piece of metal really looks like a bent, like an unbent paperclip. <laughs> very well could be. Perceptor says that the pen is mightier than the staff, promptly before Soundwave destroys the pencil with his piece of metal. Shenanigans continue to ensue until a large wave of water comes down the pipe. <sighs> the Decepticons fly off while the Autobots hop in some tin cans and ride the wave. Or what we're presuming is some kind of tin equivalent. Yeah. They exit the sewer and head back towards Aaron's house. How did they orient themselves? <sighs> GPS? <laughs> <laughs> navigating by stars or something. Don't even ask me how that makes sense. I mean, maybe they've got some sort of thing in them that always tells them where Magnetic North is. Maybe. That seems reasonable. <laughs> well, as reasonable as anything else is in here, anyway. Yep. Uh, Aaron's parents are talking to him before bed, lecturing him about helping the Autobots escape. 
His mom says, they look nice enough, but they could have germs. Well, they certainly do now after being in a trash can in the sewer. <laughs> yep. The Decepticons are flying through the air, <laughs> posing for dominance. Except for Ravage. He can't do a traditional T-pose for obvious reasons. <laughs> <laughs> and a Starscream is Thundercracker for a bit. <laughs> Yay. The Autobots arrive back to Aaron's room. Perceptor has the brilliant idea to use the Energon cubes that inadvertently got transported with him to modify his light cannon into a transport beam, amplifying it through the convenient telescope in Aaron's room. Nice. Nice plan. Optimus tells Percy to just hurry up and do it. Perceptor manages to get this to work, just in time for the Decepticons to arrive, who take B hostage. The Decepticons are attacked by Nitro, but the four cons still manage to use the transportation beam and get back to Earth. Starscream and Thrust land in a body of water, Thrust lamenting that this isn't the welcome he had hoped. Or expected. <laughs> Starscream just says, as long as there are as long as there aren't any clean monsters around. As the two of them are surrounded by alligators. Who all attacks Starscream? Back with the Autobots who aren't sure how they're going to get home, Aaron has a suggestion. Pulling out his toy rocket ship. The other Autobots are apprehensive, but Perceptor loves a challenge and is all in on modifying it. Optimus again says, Perceptor, just do it. And I'm like, Optimus, why are you a dick to Percy? I would love to listen to Percy talk to me about random science bullshit, especially stuff that, you know, humans have no idea what, what it fucking is. Yep. A short time later, Perceptor has managed to turn this toy rocket ship into a real one, and the Autobots board, saying farewell to Aaron and to Nitro. And all the animation layers are extremely messed up here. The Autobots poop into being from the torso up, and Nitro is, like, floating in the air instead of being behind, I think, the ship where he should be. Mm -hmm. Aaron yells out, Goodbye, Autobots! That's right, kid. You just yell and wake your parents up. <laughs> It's not like they can do much about it now, unless they have a gun. Maybe they do. I don't know. But for now, join us next time for The Gambler. Smokescreen has a problem, and it's about to become everybody else's problem, too. Don't cheat on gambling, kids. <laughs> That'll be the life lesson for the next episode. Pretty much. And Spex has some fanfic recommendations for today. Yeah, um... Yeah, we got two fanfic wrecks. Uh, the first is, It's not a party unless someone gets hurt by Steel Circle. Uh, it's Marvel G1 and therefore features some uh, less prominent characters. Uh, it's rated K+. It's Slash. The pairings are Spinister and Needlenose, or as our characters are, Spinister, Needlenose, and then a whole bunch of original characters. In summary, Needlenose drags Spinister to an art party. And our uh, theme wreck here is, who wants to do a fitness section? <laughs> Very appropriate. <laughs> yep. It's like, uh, what could have theoretically happened to the Autobots and the Decepticons, <laughs> except with more art, maybe. <laughs> and, uh, this is a one-shot, though I think it theoretically fits into Steel Circles, into a rough continuity with Steel Circles' other work. But... There's no indication that it is part of the series. The second wreck is Survey Ship Visit by Dragoness Eclectic. It's in the G1 cartoon continuity, rated T. It's Jen. 
there aren't any pairings. Our characters here are Starscream, Skyfire, and original characters. Both uh, human and alien. So, if you asked you one, Skyfire and Starscream are surveying star systems for Rodimus Prime. But what do they do when they have to report on the politics and economics of a world that hates and fears intelligent machines? Let's bring on the alien politics <laughs> is our uh, theme rack here. <laughs> that one sounds fun. <laughs> Alright, and that just about wraps it up for us today. Remember to check us out on Tumblr or Pillowford as AfterSpark-Podcast for any additional information, show notes, or links we may have mentioned. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at AfterSparkPod, all one word, and various other locations by searching for AfterSpark Podcast, such as AO3, iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, just to name a few. And feel free to send us questions on Tumblr, YouTube, or AO3. Till next time, I'm Spex. And I'm Elf. Fiddles! <laughs>